What is up, Arizona? Welcome to the Arizona Small Ball Podcast, where we discuss one of the hidden gems in Arizona, high school basketball. Here we talk about everything small ball, and as coaches in the Valley, we understand that these guys don't get enough love or recognition. We talk about scores, coaches, teams, and players all at Arizona Small Ball. It is Wednesday, May 19th, 2021, and we have almost made it through hopefully the craziest school year of our life. It's been crazy, whether it's school or basketball. I know a lot of you guys listening are in the same boat. You've got about a week left or maybe a few days. We're almost there to the end. We got a great episode for you guys today. We're going to tell you about two of the top teams in the 1A that you have to know about heading into next year. But before we do this breaking news in Arizona small ball, and it's really for the country, the National Federation of State High School Associations voted that each state association may adopt a shot clock beginning in the 2022-2023 season. We talked about this about a month ago on the show. Uh, Reyes, how excited are you about this being passed? Coach, I'm so stoked about this. I think it's a great opportunity for Arizona to actually, you know, like I said, adopt obviously the shot clock, but help players, you know, get more comfortable with like the college system, the NBA professional. I think it's just overall, it just helps players develop their game, helps coaches get their strategies, become better coaches. That's why I'm really stoked about it. I think it's going to be really good. You, you coach club a lot. Do you ever coach in any tournaments that have a shot clock? I have the well. We've been local here, staying going to Phoenix tournaments, a couple of events here and there. Um, a lot of them don't use a shot clock. I remember one time we actually did. It was a thirty-five second shot clock, and it was nice for us. Like I said, because on average, like for our possession, we probably did like an eleven-second offensive possession. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It doesn't have it, much of a pretty an quick and no. not really much of an effect. You knew the personnel we had, so it was just a lot of quick hitters. Uh, transition so I mean it worked to our favor uh, teams gonna pull out which was nice for us getting this opportunity and during that event it actually helped us get a win because a team was up by two and they couldn't stall so we were able to get the ball back because we we caused a 35 second shot clock violation gave us a possession nice. um, kid got and one and made the free throw win and win by one so it was nice for us like I said Overall, I mean, I'm super stoked about it. I think it's great. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. One of our coaches actually wrote in and said this. I love it. I think it's a great idea. I'm a big fan of fast-paced offense, so anything to speed that up, I'm for it. I'm wondering how – this is a question that he posed at the end. He said, I'm wondering how the high school scoreboards are going to adapt, though. And, and I think that's an interesting point, that there will be a learning curve for everybody that's involved in this. It will at times, I think, be a disaster with the refs. I, I wonder that that club team that you played or, or at that tournament, how did the refs do with resetting the resetting the game clock versus the shot clock? It was it actually worked fairly well, actually. They were pretty on top of it. Nice. I don't know if they had like previous training before them, but like I said, when a shot clock violation happened, or if like say we had we shot within eleven seconds and then we missed. But, get, but got our ball back, the shot clock just kind of reset on its own because of whoever was operating it. So, I mean, it, it, it flowed pretty well. I mean, obviously, you know, there, there were some cases where, like, people were like, shot clock, shot clock, you know what I'm saying? But it didn't happen sure. as often as you, as you would think. So, I mean, it's just a learning curve for everybody. We talked about this in our previous podcast where we talked about how schools are probably going to have to adopt or add on a volunteer who's going to have to run the shot clock while someone is running the um, scoreboard. 
that's kind of an involved thing. That is not something that I would want to do. It's something you wouldn't want to do, but I think it's just needed. And like I said, who knows? Maybe the scoreboard has a built-in like system to where you can operate both. I would be I'm not really saying nice. that, it, that that there's something out there like that, but I'm sure there is something like that. And if not, like, hey, that's just what we got to do. And I believe it's not into effect until 2022 or 2023, Coach. 2022-2023 season. I wish we had it this season. But like I said, I'm just happy it's here. It's coming. Yeah, and I mean, there's going to be a learning curve, I think. I'm super glad that that club team or that tournament that you played at, you know, there was not a whole lot of issues with that. And they seem to have it worked out pretty good. But that's cool. I feel like a lot of times refing squads are kind of at capacity. And I think that's going to be a little bit of an adjustment, especially thinking about who's actually running the game clock versus the shot clock, because that would be a little bit stressful. I feel like that's something you really have to pay attention to and, and get that good. Another one of our coaches actually had a great point. He said this, and it kind of goes along with what you were saying. In the North, it's not really needed because teams already play extremely fast. So it's not really – and I was just talking to, uh, you know, the legendary Coach B last Thursday. It's not really going to affect the game. And we view this a little bit differently. He doesn't like the shot clock coming in, and I really do, uh, as do you, Reyes. But we could agree on one thing that it's really not going to affect the game until the very end in a very close game. And you saying that we ha you had 11 second possessions, maybe around there. Uh, I went back in the page snowflake game and the championship for the three. And I timed their first quarter possessions and they were coming in at about 15 seconds of possession. So, you know, teams aren't really going to feel yeah. rushed. Just the ending of the game, like what you said in that scenario where you can just play really solid defense, uh, get a stop get a shot clock violation, then you got the ball back and you don't have to foul and give them free throws. I think that that's, that's really awesome. Uh, so, so there's a lot of really great things that are coming with it. I, I think I know this, but before we move on, Reyes, do you think the positives outweigh the negatives about the shot clock in 2022, 2023? I think it's a positive. I think it's a, I think the positives outweigh the negatives only because coaches know that it's coming. So now they have a year to prep. You know, obviously, you know, it sucks because like, it's kind of hard to prep because of this season. You're not going to have it, but if you are like a person who likes to think of head and stuff like that, I would work on an offense or pertain to offense that you already have that fits in within that 35 seconds just to get your players used to it. You know what I'm saying? And I know like people are saying like, you know, I can't wait for the fast paced play, which is going to happen, obviously, especially for schools up North, but it also helps. It also shows the coaches uh, strategies, you know what I'm saying? What kind of games, what kind of quick hitters are going to throw in there? You know what I'm saying? It's kind of, right. it's going to be kind of cool to see the motions, that they run the sets that they run i think it's gonna be beautiful basketball in the in the long run yeah and i think you saying that the the quick hitters the the sets the plays i mean those have just got to be a lot sharper and practice and putting exactly. your kids in a lot more pressure situations and practice is going to mm -hmm. be great i'm excited for it i think it's going to be a lot of fun we're going to tell you guys about two of the top teams in the 1a that you have to know about heading into next year but before we do check this out if you didn't get a chance to watch the 1A championship game this year, you really missed out, not just because it was a great game and it was back and forth, at least for a time, but also because it highlighted two of the best programs in the 1A, North Valley Christian and Mojave Accelerated. We wanted to highlight these teams for you guys because we really believe that they will be two of the top 1A teams returning next season. And first off, before we even get into anything, I got to say a big congratulations to Coach Walker out of North Valley Christian. 
This guy won a state title this past year. Son being a key player on the team. He just graduated this past year. That is probably most coaches dreams and, and coaching your own kid can kind of be interesting at times. I need to kind of sort through that for myself and my kids. Whereas when you have kids, would you think of it? Would you coach your kids? Uh, I would full heartedly. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, you know, it's kind of harder because like, you know, you always hear the same thing. Like, you're going to coach your kid a little bit harder than the rest. You know what I'm saying? But do you and think you would coach your kid way harder than the other kids? Or would you think you'd go easy on them? See, that's No, I would never go easy. You know what I'm saying? I'd probably coach them a little bit harder. But at the end of the day, like, you know, that's where, like, parenting comes in. You know what I'm saying? There's a coach and parent relationship, you know? Right. There's probably points where Coach Walker was really hard on his son. But then the son had to realize, like, oh, wait, like, right. when we're on the court, when we're at practice, this and that, like, you're coach, you're not dad, you know what I'm saying? And like I said, it, it hurts relationships. Some of them do, you know what I'm saying? But I feel like if you're able to work on that balance and understand between both parties, you know, player, coach, uh, father, son, I feel like it can work really well. Would you have your son call you coach or call you dad? Uh, either. I mean, I'm not one of those people that you got to call me coach and stuff like that, especially, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. if it was my kid, I don't know how you would feel and stuff like that. I mean, I'm not like, and it's like almost like egotistical, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> <laughs> You're just kind of like, you have to call me volunteer, you know what I'm saying? Like, no, like, if you call me dad, like, I'm going to respond. But obviously, right, as long as we know, like, to your uh, son, he's like trying to talk to you, dad, dad, call me coach, son. Call me coach, that ain't my name. Just call me coach Herrera. <laughs> like, no, I'm not gonna, yeah. he calls me dad, I make him do suicides. No, that's not the case <laughs> at all. I mean, as long as you, you know, implant and like you make sure that we're there aware. And everybody's where like, hey, everybody's equal and stuff like that. And this is like when we're on the court, you know, this is what it's, this is what it is. I, I don't really, it don't really matter to me at that point. I, I'd be tough. I'd, I got to think through that. I don't know what I would do. Would you want your kids to call you coach or dad? Like, would you care? Like, say, like, it just slipped. Like, dad, like, what am I supposed to run on this play? Like, are you going to flip out and be like, or not respond because they didn't call you coach? Like, I don't know. I just feel like that's, that's a little silly. I mean... To each their own, right? You know, I would say everybody to the baseline. We're running right now. You don't call me dad. You, call, you call, I'm just kidding. I wouldn't do that. I think I'd want him to call me coach. Well, uh, I, want, I don't know, but yeah, it's just kind of. I would want him to call me coach, but I'm not gonna like flip out if he doesn't. You know, I'm not. I'm sure. gonna go crazy. Punish the whole team just because he called you dad. Yeah, like punish the whole team and then let your son just like or daughter, you know, whatever you have, just sit there and watch the other team run. <laughs> everybody would hate him Uh, well anyways congrats to you coach walker whatever it is he called you coach or dad or whatever you guys want to stay titled together and that's a great memory that that they're always going to have that's really cool Uh, we're going to look at north valley and reyes this is really for our listeners now what are your overall thoughts on north valley christian as a program as a team looking at them last year oh looking at them last year and stuff like that i think coach walker did a great job but before we talk more about that one thing that kind of stood out to me was North Valley's size. Mm. You know, when you think of the one, when you think of the one, a coach, I mean, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? You think smaller players, smaller sure, guards, sure. all like, you know, like li- small ball. That's what we covered this and that, but don't let the one, a fool you or the two or any of the small ball, you know what I'm saying? The one at North Valley Christian, they had a couple of opponents this year that they were in like the five, a six, a and stuff like that. And the North Valley carries some size, don't they, Coach? I think they have, like, a 6'5", six, 6'4". Six, they have a 6'3", freshman. Like, they had some they had really, a lot really of nice size players. Nice size players, but also not only that, they were fundamentally sound 
we'll talk about one of the kids I'm pretty sure during the championship game. I think he's a freshman. Um, Grayson, I think it's his name, coach. Mm-hmm. I he like him out- so much. Jesse he Graves. Played outstanding. We'll talk more about that. You know, that's I'll let you cover him a little bit more. But like I said, North Valley had a lot of tough players. Uh, fundamentally sound, obviously young that they can work with. They had a couple of senior leaders on there, which I really like. So mm-hmm. they were a solid team, solid group put together. You know, congrats to Coach Walker again. Yeah, and and their team as a whole, I really loved how they played. We actually scouted them earlier in the year because we were going to play Rancho, and mm-hmm. they we were we were watching for Rancho, but we were just shocked at how fast North Valley was playing and how many shots they were putting up. They just play extremely fast. They pressure on the full court a ton. I think last year they averaged in the high sixties of points per game last year, and, and I mean they just got after it. Here's a big thing with them, though. They lost a lot of their key players yes. from that championship run. Really nice-sized kids who were really effective in their offense. But they do return some really solid players that will fit right back into their system, their style of play. They have two freshmen that will be really tough coming up into their sophomore year. They were maybe looking back, potentially the best freshman duo this past year that I saw. They were really good. It was Austin Kramer standing at 6'3", really long, really athletic. He had 10 points per game, three rebounds, and 1.6 assists. He's a great guard. He's got some great length, like I said. He can even shoot the ball pretty well. He's got a really nice feel for the game. I like him. He was actually one of their starters in that championship game and for for many different parts of the season. He was a great key player that they're going to have coming back, who I would imagine will grow a little bit. Because, again, remember, the kid's like 14 years old. You know, he's going to get bigger. And also Jesse Graves, who you were referring to, averaged seven points per game, two assists, four rebounds. He has great handles. He's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, which I love for somebody who's a little bit smaller. He can shoot a little bit, too, about 37% from three. He wasn't really a high-volume shooter, though, which I expect to change moving into next year. I can see him growing into himself a little bit more this offseason. He's a really great player. He's got great energy. I think he's got even better hair, though. Did you get a load of his hair? Coach, I love this hair. I hope it stays throughout the, you know, the rest of the, his career. Like three years left. I hope it stays. But you never know. He might mature and, you know, cut it. But I hope it stays. I think it's a good look for him. It makes him stand out. You used to have a fro at some point in your, in your high school career. Yeah, nothing like that, though. Let's, just go, let's get that very clear. Nothing like that. <laughs> no, nothing like that. I loved it. it. I, I thought it was fun. I loved it, too. I thought it was so cool. No, no, definitely. This kid has a really, really high motor. I'm excited to see him get better. And again, the kid's pretty young. So to see him grow into himself and get bigger and stronger will be a lot of fun. Number 20, Marina, was also a freshman. He's going to be a sophomore coming up. He will be another really good guard. He didn't have a a ton of, like, crazy numbers. Only five points a game, 1.4 assists, two rebounds. He shot 38% from three. Not like a really high-volume shooter, but but from a stat side, he's actually the better shooter between him and Graves as far as, like, volume shooting and percentage-wise. He's got really, really great dribble drive. He's a quick little guard. He's a great facilitator. He can really help run some great things for them coming up into next season. I mean, I just the biggest thing is I'm excited to see how they change as they get a little bit older moving into next season and having more responsibilities, being not as much of they'll still be underclassmen, which is exciting, but they'll have a lot more of the load on them. I'll also be interested to see this, how their offense changes 
if it does at all, uh, because they really ran some great action out of the horn set. The point guard passes to the wing and gets a diagonal screen to the rim and post it up. And they got some great open looks out of that, but their point guard was like 6-1, and he was really, really strong and athletic. He was a really good finisher out of that. They ran almost everything through him. And uh, they did a high ball screen or they did that diagonal screen and they found shooters in the corner. These kids will have the ability to to still do some of that. But other than Kramer, they're not going to be as big or as athletic as the seniors that they lost. So I'm excited to kind of see how they adjust with that. Whether they run the same stuff or not, they're going to be just fine. Really competitive. Watch out for them. They will compete great with everyone next year. And with the players they have coming back and with them getting better and growing, I expect to see them in that championship game again. Really excited about North Valley. Reyes, why don't you tell us a little bit about their opponents in that championship game, Mojave Accelerated. So covering Mojave Accelerated, I was able to go back a couple games, Coach. And one thing I really noticed was they didn't lose anybody, you know. Yeah, they return all their starting They're five. They're bringing their whole starting five back and then some, Coach. They didn't really lose a lot. And so a couple of people that are coming back, a couple of key players that I think, you know, they got six-foot guard Aiden Huniger, class of 2022, is going to be a senior. Big year for him. He actually had a lot – he actually averaged 21.3 points a game, 3.6 rebounds a game, 2.8 assists a game. And then check this out. I really love this stat. 4.5 steals a game. This kid was a ball hawk. It was That's fun. crazy, man. I know. It was fun to watch him this year, especially in the championship game. I felt like he played really well. I wish he would have done some things a little bit different, wish he was a little bit more patient. But like I said, you know, he had a whole other year to get back to where he was, and even then something could get better. Another kid that I like to highlight was 6'4", uh, Josh Neal. This kid, coach, he was a stud for them. Uh, he averaged 16.3 points per game. 13.7 rebounds a game. That's already a double-double. He was oh able gosh, actually, he was actually able to dish out some dimes. 2.8 assists a game. That's pretty much three. And then he was averaging one block per game. This kid's athletic. He's long. He's super strong. He plays hard, especially on the defensive end. He he was really, I feel like, not their heartbeat, but, man, like, where, however he played, that's, like, that's where I felt like the team went. You know what I'm saying? He had three offensive rebounds in the first four minutes of that championship game, and I thought that really helped lift them a lot. He's a great, great player. Great player, fun to watch. I can't wait for this season. A couple of notable players are coming back. You know, they have number two, six one guard, uh, Steven Lopez. Number 10, Tyson Banks, six five coach, was a sophomore this past year, will be a junior heading up. Number 24, Raymond Lopez, six one guard. Uh, they have number 33, Lucas Leslie, the six three sophomore, going to be a junior this coming year. And then number 35, Austin Brusso, 6'5". He was a sophomore this year, going to be a junior next season. So hearing those names, Coach, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? I mean, these guys are just returning everything. Not only that, Coach, they bring back size. That's one thing that I really – Oh, they do. They bring back size. Man, they you, have... lo- you like softball lobbed that to me, and I just whiffed on that. You're right. They're going to be huge, right, man. man. Hey, we, it happens. You know what I'm saying? They got three kids <laughs> that are possibly going to be over 6'5". Their guard, they have two guards that are 6'1". Hopefully, they go to be 6'2", 6'3". And they have Aiden Huntinger, six-foot guard. He might grow a little bit. Who knows? Hopefully, he does. But like I said, throughout the championship game, here are some things I did pick up, though, with Mojave Accelerated. Throughout every game, they play with a ton of heart, especially in the championship game, Coach. They played they played their heart off, with their butts off. Uh, but also with that, they were a little sloppy in transition, so I wish they were able to slow the pace down just a little bit. And that comes with patience. They got lost on defense a couple times. And then kudos to um, 
North Valley, you know what I'm saying? The sets they ran, you know, they were able to get uh, Mojave Accelerated caught slipping. They weren't able to switch that or talk a little bit, and they were get, able to get wide open layups or a wide open three. So, you know, kudos to North Valley for that. I just feel like Mojave didn't really run an offense. What I really want to see from Mojave Accelerated this coming season, I just want the kids to be more fundamentally sound. Because if you watch the championship game, uh, their, their guards had, a, had kind of a struggle, you know, bringing up the ball by themselves, you know. Aiden Huntinger right. didn't really bring it up a lot, but when he did, they were able to get some good things out of it. You know what I'm saying? So I wish that I wish they work on their fundamentals a little bit, more of their ball handling, you know, how to handle pressure. I think that would be really key for them, for all their players, you know, being able to handle the ball. And last but not least for them, what I really like to see is some sort of motion offense or just more sets run, you know, for them. I feel like if you were able to, you know, because if you watch in that championship game, the ball was a majority of Steven Lopez's hand which I don't mind at all. But what I would like to see is some sort of motion offense or some more such run for Josh Neal or Aiden Huniger, you know, to get them open shots, give them some clean looks, you know, to get their confidence going while in their game. So like I said, you know, if they work on the basic fundamentals, if they work on their transition offense, knowing when to go and when to pull back, if you know what I mean, coaches out there, throughout that championship game and throughout the season, just working on finishing, you know what I'm saying? They had a couple opportunities for their bigs, where they were right under the basket and they put it up, but they would just miss. So finishing would be huge for them this coming season, uh, working on their outside shot. Uh, you can tell that a lot of, a couple of their kids can't really shoot as well. So I feel like this coming season, you know, working on that throughout the off season will benefit them so much more. And then how to end the quarters, you know what I'm saying? When you're up by four points, you know what I'm saying? You don't want the team to come back. You kind of want to withstand that lead or draw it out just a little bit longer, you know what I'm saying? So I feel like that comes with uh, just working on practice, you know, late game situations and the quarter situations and stuff like that. But overall, Mojave Accelerator was a really good team. And I, you know, like I see them coming back to that state championship this coming season. I think one of the biggest things for, for Mojave Accelerated is figuring out how to handle pressure in the full court. Because North Valley, when they put that massive pressure in the full court and really aggressive and in your face, it got Mojave way sped up and it kind of forced them into some really poor decisions. I think that if they can figure out how to do that, it will help them a lot. And they're going to have to, because the reality is with the kids that are returning for North Valley Christian, I think they're going to be able to still play that same type of style. The difference is Mojave Accelerator is going to have some experience against that. Hopefully. I mean, you got to think they're going to be working on that and they're going to get better. Who knows? You know what I'm saying? All these other teams that are listening on the one and, you know, I'm pretty sure they're working in silence, you know, getting their reps in and all that stuff. So I can't wait to see what happens in the 1A. But I guess I agree with you, too. I feel like Mojave Accelerator and North Valley are going to meet again in that state championship game. We really think that North Valley Christian and Mojave Accelerated are two of the top teams in the 1A. And they're going to be returning back into that championship game next year. Thank you guys so much for tuning into the show. If you want to be a part of the action, find us on Facebook. Players, you can check us out on Instagram and follow us on Twitter at SmallBallPodAZ. Hop on Apple Podcasts and write us a review. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And we'll catch you next week.